start by saying to both yourself and our listeners a, a happy belated Christmas. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yes. Thank you very much. I'll take that on behalf of the listeners. <laughs> happy Christmas um, to me. And apologies. I, I feel that last few episodes we've done, we've talked about the juggle and the juggle is real. But unfortunately, added into my real life juggle, um, COVID paid our family a visit um it, it ripped through the family wonderfully it spared the twins who just kept running around going we haven't got covid <laughs> i'm like okay thanks um but sadly as many vaccinations as i have and i've had my maximum it doesn't get on with me we don't get on we're not friends and it it knocked me out um pretty badly so uh yeah mm. christmas was um a bit of a wipeout. We're we're just sort of coming through the other end. But yeah, I apologize. I, I would have been I would have been useless at trying to put together a pod before today. I know. I'm sorry to hear that. It's uh it's pretty rough. And I sit here smug as I'm someone who I don't think I've ever had COVID. <laughs> Is that true? You, as far as you know, you don't think you've ever had yeah, it? Yeah, and every time I've been remotely ill, I've tested um lots and lots of times. I've had antibodies antibody testing twice which shows you whether you've got antibodies from the last six months uh no is the answer and um yeah i've just i've just avoided it wow. so i'll just sit here and be very very smug. well one thing i don't know one thing it's and this isn't our covert focus but one thing i'd be really interested to know is why it affects people as it does because i think uh, we've talked about this before but i i'm not I'm getting old. I'm not. Uh, You're not just that been to the much older. <laughs> We're not different no, generations. I've, I've been to the opticians and I now kind of feel old uh, this morning. Uh, so I'm not that old and I'm fairly healthy and I do my running. But every time COVID's got me, I think it's been, what, three times now. It's literally knocked me quite literally to the floor yeah. for about three or four days. So I'd love to know, like, is there a reason... I don't know, is it, I don't know, maybe it's something we'll learn in years to come, but is there something about the makeup of someone, because I've had my vaccinations and, and I, I've, I've never smoked, I don't know if that's got anything to do with it, but I don't know. Um, it seems I just like be interested it, doesn't it, because we saw that with tennis players, you know, someone like Grigor Dimitrov, he didn't have that yeah. bad symptoms at the time, but it took a long time for him to recover, other people just, you know, don't feel anything, I don't know, it, it seems to be fairly random, I think. It's obviously not random, but in terms of what we see, I don't think it's lifestyle. I, I, would, I wouldn't be putting myself <laughs> as the healthiest person on the planet at the moment. Know, you're, 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 pretty, you're pretty healthy. Well, but I, yeah, but relatively, wonder- I'm, I'm okay, but yeah. But wonderfully, my father, my other half, uh, my brother, they, all, they were all symptom-free. So that, that was, sadly, because we were meant to be out of the country with my other half, with his family in France. Sadly, we couldn't go because his mother suffers badly from asthma and he was positive. But wonderfully, they all were all symptom free. So they were so frustrated, but they were Christmas? healthy. Because you weren't planning to have Christmas at home. So it's not like you wouldn't have no. had a turkey or any food in. And... We didn't have a turkey. So we what did you have, turkeys. like a lasagna or we... something? <laughs> <laughs> we had nothing. Uh, we had nothing a few days before when it when it hit home because I got it a little bit afterwards. So I think we were hoping that if my other half, if he managed to test negative, we could make a sort of Christmas Eve dash to France and still get there. But sadly, the day before, I was quite literally knocked over by it. And then that was that. Uh, we managed to, because my other half was then negative, he managed 
to go out and find the biggest turkey I've ever seen. He it was that it was that or nothing. <laughs> turkey it for was fifty hu- people. Or it nothing. was it was huge. And I just want I'm just gonna give it and we are gonna get to tennis, but a snapshot of my Christmas day. So it's the four of us and lovely that we had the four of us we were together. Um so my other half he's negative, so he takes the boys out for a little bit of a Christmas day walk. One of the boys presents did you ever have a Tamagotchi? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So for those that don't know how would you describe a Tamagotchi? Oh, everyone. A, firstly, everyone knows what a Tamagotchi is. Secondly, but, it's an no, electronic I, pet. I, I that's think what. that's a sweeping statement. So anyway, these things hatch and they ask for things like they go to the toilet, they need medicine, sleep, they beep. So just give you a snapshot of my Christmas day. And I thought, oh dear, I had this turkey, this enormous turkey that, that my other half had for. He said, oh, as they were leaving the house, he went, oh, I've, I've forgotten the turkey which took about four hours to cook. So I'm trying to sort of sort out the turkey and do things with it and make it look presentable and get it in the oven. Well, this Tamagotchi is beeping and I've got two Tamagotchis. I've got two boys. One's wanting food. What other ways these things die? (laughs) I'm thinking, honestly, I'm in the kitchen with like butter all over my hands. I'm trying to sort the turkey out. I have COVID. I'm slightly seeing double and I've got Tamagotchis needing to be cleaned and fed. Honestly, at this point, Naomi, I was like, <laughs> this is, I actually laughed because I think at that point there is nothing else you could do. Well, you could laugh or cry. I just had to, I was standing in the middle of my kitchen laughing as Tamagotchis were beeping and turkeys needed to be cooked. So no, we, we, um, we found some food. Uh, we, we had a, we had a lovely meal. I was packed full of cold drugs, all sorts of drugs to keep me functioning uh, our first Tamagotchi made it to two years of age and the okay. boy said the boy said oh it, it looks like it's flying I was like I, I, I think it's dead <laughs> I said no no it's flying I said I think it's flying to the sky but you you reset them and off we go so um, yeah so we and so we've got Tamagotchis on the go we've made it through Christmas we've made it through Covid and the tennis season that never stopped has restarted we're off again well, pretty much. Are we a day away from the United Cup starting? Well, no, because if you think of the time difference, we're already kind of underway, aren't we? Oh, are, oh are they think... actually they're starting now? Oh. Well, they start on the 29th. We're the 28th. Okay. If you if whack you, on 11 hours, hours. We're hours away from the start We are hours of away season. from the first ball being struck. The press conferences are taking place. And I can never get my head around, and this is something you dealt with for years, but you never really had a Christmas, a sort of a... a can I call it a normal Christmas when you were playing? Because surely you were always on a plane on or before Christmas Day? Yeah, pretty much. Um, they have they did shuffle things back in terms of the WTA events, uh, but now they've added in the United Cup. I mean, I was never playing Hotman Cup or anything like that. So, yeah. um, yes, it is. Uh, yeah, you have to travel. Um, I mean, a lot of people were traveling sort of before or on Christmas. Look, the ideal day to, to go is Boxing Day, so you get Christmas Day at home. I think a lot of people do that. Yeah. I think a lot of coaches follow on as well, which is fair enough. I remember saying to my coach, you know, like, I'll fly, I was flying Christmas Eve, and I just said, Oof. you know, because the thing is, is for the first few days, you're just hitting, you're shaking the flight out of your legs, you're, you're, you're adjusting to the time difference and the jet lag. So I just said, look, you just fly on the 28th. For example, I'll just go there for a few days. So I just spent, like, say, Christmas on my own in Auckland, wherever it was. Oh, that's that's Um, sad. But, yeah, I mean, it just just doesn't make sense. I mean, you don't need to be cruel about it. It's like, look, spend time with your family. It's fine. fine. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you just got to work out what 
what works best for you. Some people enjoy going down early and they think, well, if I'm going before Christmas, I might as well go way before Christmas and get a nice block of time in the heat training and whatever it might be. So I know plenty of people that went out about a week before or so. So yeah, you just got to figure out what works. But uh, yes, the United Cup, the first installment installment i don't think that's the right word the first edition <laughs> the first edition edition of, um, <laughs> of the united cup so it's it's exciting it's interesting it's going to be very different i think to things we've seen before there's a lot of players on each team i don't think i quite understood that there were that many players on each team and juniors on teams and all sorts going on um so that is interesting and i did see ben rothenberg tweet about the schedule today saying that um, there's going to be a lot of obscure matches of players ranked quite lowly playing against each other. And that's sort of what happens when you go big on the teams. Whereas, with, for well, example, that's... with the Hopman Cup, it was just two people, right? So you, you know it's obviously going to be of a, of a certain standard. Well, this is 18 teams, three cities, 11 days. Each tie has two men's singles, two women's singles and a mixed double. So therefore we get our lots of players. I agree with you. I didn't realise how many players until I saw a shot. I think it was from Australia's pre-tournament press conference. And I was just counting all the players. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, there's quite a lot of you. And there'll be players <laughs> that you you don't know because they're, they're much um, lower. Not you specifically, but just one. Like There are players playing that I've not watched play before um, that are, are ranked much lower. Um, I, on the GB team, for example, we're sending a junior we're not sending a junior. The junior would be going for Australian Open anyway. Yeah, so yeah. They, they've joined joined the team. And <laughs> I was listening to a discussion uh, amongst members of the team <laughs> about, uh, um, oh, do you think she'll be uh, overawed by uh, the fact that the captain is Tim Henman? And I was like, she will not know who Tim Henman is. <laughs> she'll, be, she'll know who Tim Henman is in terms of because of his punditry. <laughs> and he does a lot of work um, presenting the tennis <sighs> at the moment and she would have seen him about at slams but she won't understand the full weight of what the hen mania was in the early noughties will she not though so how old are we talking she is won't she have well, she's 16 any point growing oh yeah no she won't so, <laughs> so no but you know what I mean is she obviously knows who he is she wow. knows all of that sort of thing but you you know there comes a time for everybody you know it, it, it'll happen to Andy Murray it, I mean, it was slightly easier with Andy Murray because you can say well he won multiple slams but, you know, with, uh, you know, I don't know, you th- think back to those days and how gripped the British tennis fans were by Henman in the semis of Wimbledon and uh, the rain and all sorts, you know, the drama. I mean, I felt like there was so much drama with, with Tim. But, yeah, no, I don't think she'll, she'll quite know. So she could have, like, her parents going, you've got Tim Henman as your captain. She'll who? Yeah. <laughs> she'll be like, do you not? No, okay, fine. But as you said, she won't say who. Like she knows who he is. That's what I mean. But just understanding, sort of, you know, who Tim Henman really is and what he meant uh, to British tennis. Because thing is, is he's just such a chilled out, you know, he's yeah. such a, a nice, calm guy. Um, yeah. Anyway, I wonder. I'm, I imagine that'll be happening on other teams as well. Well, it's, it's going to be interesting, aren't you? Because you've got some, like we're talking about Greece, who are so strong with Maria Sakkari and Stefanos Tsitsipas as their number ones, but then it kind of, it shoots down for their for their second-ranked well, yes. players. Yes. And then obviously they will team up for the mixed, but then it could, so it, I think it, a lot of people are talking about, I don't know where you stand on this, but there's a lot on social media at the moment about breaking down these final barriers between the WTA and the ATP and and people believe and I don't know if you agree or disagree or have no thoughts on this that the United Cup is going to go 
a long way to bringing down some of those final barriers by having a tournament such as this. Sure. I mean, look, everybody loved the Hotman Cup. I don't think, you know, yep. that was just two players from each nation, mixed doubles, man, a woman, mixed doubles, off you go. And it was, um, you know, the players <laughs> loved it. The crowds loved it. It was, um, you know, very straightforward. I think more mixed events is definitely something that uh, could be used, particularly when it comes to exhibitions. I think mixed doubles is something that people do enjoy watching. So, um, yeah, I think... I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching it and that's not always the case with these sort of exhibition-y type events so I am excited to see how it pans out but I am a little bit concerned and I do agree with what, what Ben Rothenberg was saying is that uh, you know there could be quite a few uh, a few dud matches. I think what's interesting talking about more team events more mixed events I think that's a really good thing for tennis because one thing this is quite random somehow coming into this conversation but you know I've been doing a lot of paddle recently and a number of paddle players were tennis players whether to junior level coming into the ITF or even onto the main tours and one of the big reasons they gave for stopping and you could say it's easy for them to say that because they were I don't know 700 or they were even lower was the loneliness and the isolation and a big thing for them about paddle is you always play paddle in doubles it's only ever played in doubles and there's a big social element to it and I'm wondering if just generally having more team events more mixed events will be better for tennis in terms of bringing players through and keeping them in the sport or you might say to me having always played at largely as an individual sport it's got nothing to do with it they'll like it or they won't like it it's just something that or the paddle players I've spoken to and researched, a big reason for them leaving tennis, or when they talk about the two sports, they talk about the loneliness in tennis and the fact that moving to a sport where you play in doubles and there's more team events is is much more inclusive and much more sociable. Oh, yeah, and look, it suits... D- different things to suit different people so if tennis was more team-based we would have different people at the top because you know that that you know Nadal could have played football so could have Andy Murray that you know they there's so many different things that any of them could have done but they chose tennis and yes there's obviously going to be a love of the sport of the forehands the backhands the way the sport is the scoring system's incredible there are so many unique parts of tennis the challenges changing surfaces you know no other sport really does that um so i i understand that there might be other reasons and look hey i'm somebody who never considered the lifestyle of a tennis player i just loved training forehands backhands competing match i I loved it all and then i got there and i was like oh oh, hang on a minute i didn't realize we had to do this just be on the road for you're just a traveling circus but you're ultimately by yourself and if you are with people they're people you're competing with or it's a 40 year old man as your coach when you're a 17 year old girl (laughs) so it's um you know it, it it is something that hits people at different stages and it's the, pretty much the number one reason why why I stopped as well. So I'm not criticising people at all. I'm just saying that um, when it comes to the... I wasn't searching for a team element. Mine was just more the isolation of just generally travelling. Um, and But I think in terms of playing doubles or mixed or whatever it might be, um, yeah, I'm not so sure because uh, I suppose there's just there, there's loads of team sports you can play when you're young you could you could just do something else um and people play tennis i think specifically for a reason they want to take all of the glory all of the responsibility <laughs> uh yeah. all of the devastation when they lose they want to take it on themselves you know um but i mean you get characters like that in team sports as well i mean you must see it with some 
footballers. They pretty much <laughs> play on their own. <laughs> take all the glory, take all the devastation, and then go, oh, yeah, oh, I've got teammates. But, you know, I don't know. It's it's different yeah, personalities. It's just it, quite right? interesting just hearing what a lot of these now paddle players have said about tennis and the difference. And, and I think the United Cup, it, it I think it's a great way to start off the season everyone as we know when you're in Australia everyone's in a good mood <laughs> it's called the happy slam because everyone's happy it's like the beginning of term everyone's seeing each other again and you know I think yeah. bringing everyone together and their heat helps gosh I, I'm looking outside and it's raining and misery like oof but the, the heat is also the conduit to happiness it makes you just feel better you're out there you're feeling I know you say as a tennis player that there'll always be an some aches and pains but they'll probably be they'll be lesser than they are at the end of the season so it, it I think it's a really good time to have this competition I think it's a really good place to stage this competition uh, and we should also say that landing in Australia yesterday was Novak Djokovic he is he's back he's in and and he's staying and and I'm really I'm really happy he's back and I'm really happy he's there and I'm still a massive believer that we yes the the, the new generation have arrived but we one hundred percent still for me. Novak Djokovic is still is still in the men's game. He's still the benchmark of everything right now. Yeah, I mean he's back in Australia and he's probably going to win it. <laughs> That's basically how it goes. There we I'm go. Um, but it'd be interesting, won't it? Because we've got the Netflix documentary, uh, oh, which yes. is called yes. Break Point. That will yes. be coming out, and I believe they're going to get it out before the Australian Open. They really should it is, get it out the before the week before. Open. Yeah, exactly. Week before. So we'll, we'll be reliving all of this trauma, and then it will be Can't the glory wait. of oh. him lifting the trophy for the tenth time, and it will just be oh. this huge uh, narrative, this big story arc that Djokovic has sent himself on. This, <laughs> you know, he, he, there were other choices he could have made, um, but still, it will be this uh, not really redemption. But it will be, we'll have the two, I think over those three weeks, we'll have the two extremes because we'll be living and breathing the documentary and uh, the all of the difficulties. Because regardless of whether he put himself in the situation or whatever your view is, it was still not a nice thing to have to deal with and go through for him. No. And, uh, you know, very, very difficult. And then to, to, to come back. And as I say, he's probably going to win it. I mean, you know, he might not. But when the draw comes out, He's not top of the draw and he's not bottom of the draw. That's he's weird. He's a floater. It's weird. I was thinking that. I was thinking that's that's weird when this draw comes out. I mean, that's just weird. Because yeah, it's just weird. He's just going to pop up. Sort Wait, of. What, what, the... what is he? Was he? Fifth, well, I looked. Fifth, yeah, I looked at the, the. I looked at rankings yesterday, and he's he's fifth as things stand. Right. In the rankings, which but, is unbelievable, considering just, he did not compete for ten and a half thousand points last year <laughs> of uh, some of the biggest tournaments, and one of the, the, the he won Wimbledon and got nothing for it. So just he, he finished the world at number it finished the year at world number five, and he played less than half a year. Really, I mean, be afraid. Be very afraid. Everybody exactly. else draw. So this is what we I'm were... saying. He's probably going to win it. <laughs> well, we've got... Okay, so as things stand, looking at this, at, what are we, the, the 28th of December uh, in the UK as we record this, Alcaraz is one, Nadal's two, Kasparud's three, Sitzbass is four, Djokovic is five, Ogieliasim is six, Medvedev seven. And something else that's been pointed out is the age. I think there's, what is it, in the top 12, there's only three players... Is it over the age of 20? Because Medvedev's 26, isn't he? And then you've got mm. the oldies in Nadal and Djokovic. And everyone else, I think, is 25 and under in the top 12. Oh, right. Okay. 
incredible, isn't it? I mean, they're, they're incredible. A, okay, Led by so Alcaraz. I'm not saying I want to fly on to predictions now, but who for you is going to be the next first time Grand Slam winner? And uh, we've got we're going to do our Australian Open predictions later when we've got draw when we know what's happening. But let me just ask you that now. Looking at all these people in there, Alcaraz, Nadal, well, not Nadal, um, Sitsipas. Rude, Ogelia Seam, Rublev, Herkatch, Runa, Zverev, uh, Fritz, Sinner, Berrettini. Who out of, of, of these plethora of names could you see being the next one? Maybe not Australia, because I think we're both already saying we believe that Djokovic will. <laughs> and, and it might not happen at Roland Garros either. Okay, so US Open. <laughs> no, who who do you well, see? US him? is the one, isn't it? That's the well, one that's, that's up that's more That's the weird the one, isn't it, that gets us through. But who do you see of this crop of rising stars could be the next one to win a Grand Slam? Well, I mean... The, I know the I've difficulty... thrown that in, thrown it in. But. No, that's fine. Um, but the difficulty is, is when you look at these players, look at someone like a Sitsipas. I mean, I know he's only been in one final, but you, there's always a Djokovic to play in the final or in a dark, you know, there's all, it's that last step. If you get a good draw, if you're in the right half, you know, all of that sort of stuff, yes, you can make a final. But to to then actually lift the title, as I say, you're going to be playing somebody a Djokovic and a Dahl, maybe you could put Alcaraz in there, but um, he's probably a little bit more beatable, um, to get your hands on that trophy. The best way to do it is to take them out earlier in the tournament, to try yeah. and beat them in the quarters or something yeah. like that, and then you can have a bit more of a run at it. I think, to be honest, um, I would not have said this a year ago, but I mean, you've got to look at Casper Ruud, two finals, two slam finals, and he is just so ridiculously consistent. I I think, you know, he's just going to give himself those opportunities. And if it so happens, you never know. Somebody might take out Djokovic or Djokovic beats himself as often is the case. And then you come through that section. I don't know, like, rude, yeah, two finals. And, you know, look, is he going to beat Nadal in a Roland Garros final? No. Is he going to beat Nadal in a Roland Garros quarterfinal? Possibly. Possibly could. Um, so... Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it obviously draw dependent. <laughs> our favorite, <laughs> our favorite saying. But that's what makes it so interesting. And as you say, you know, Djokovic is floating around. You just don't know when who, who's going to draw him where. So I don't think it's going to happen at Australia. Um, but I, I sort of feel like, I mean, if Rude just plays how he did last year, I don't think he needs to even improve that much, which he will. But surely, surely he's got a breakthrough. If he just keeps putting himself in these positions. I think Sitspas said something interesting recently. He said it's because everyone keeps saying, well, which is ridiculous. I've heard it said it was Sitspas has, has he missed his chance now because all these other guys. No, he hasn't. Of course he hasn't. And he came out and said, it, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint, which it is. He has so many years ahead of him. He's already done so much and he will be in the mix. And I believe he will win Grand Slams. Will it be this year? I'm not. I still don't think Berrettini's going to win a Grand Slam. I, I know we talked about See, this. It literally was the second person I was going to say, Berrettini. And it would have been so fascinating if he'd have played Wimbledon this year. Uh, uh, But, you know, he didn't. That would be, that would, will be his best chance. Yeah. But I... I, I, He's had a very disrupted year. It's been really frustrating. He's going to feature heavily in this Netflix documentary. I mean, I think there's there's he already is. an episode with him and his former girlfriend, Isla Tomlianovic. I think that's the second episode to be aired, possibly. Second or third. After the Djokovic debacle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, understandably, is taking top billing. Um, 
but I, I just, uh, not that I'm saying there's too many distractions around Berrettini. I think there are quite a few distractions, but I just, I, I don't know. I, w- I would put others above him. I'd, e- I'd even put a, a sinner above him. I don't know if that's slightly foolish. I don't know. I think it's, I think Rude, I think you're right. He's, he's very consistent. He's now got a, the experience of being in a couple of slam finals, so learning to deal with pressure. But again, it's, you've got to get rid of Djokovic first because he is, he's still the benchmark of everything. And Nadal, I think Nadal's made quotes recently mentioning something to do with, with Paris 2024, because obviously the Olympics in Paris, the, the tennis will be held at Roland Garros. So possibly seeing if he can keep himself not the mind, but more the body going. And that would be a... a I mean, that'd be ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> just ridiculous. <laughs> Dahl playing on Philip Chatrier in 2024. Okay. For gold. For gold. Okay. <laughs> For gold at the Olympics would be... I mean, but it's... Uh, uh, See, Rude I, I, could take that. Rude could be in prime position for that. And, and, and let, let's... Can we put Dominic Team back in there by then? You know, he's, he's well on the way back now. It's been an awful... He's, he wouldn't be a first-time champion. Yeah, no, okay. That, oh, sorry, yeah. He's won a slam. Time. Yes, That's yeah, of course. Because that is, you take out team, you take out Medvedev, yeah. you take out Alcaraz. Um, you know, so they're the champions. We're going to have Zverev back this year. So we'll see what he's able to, to do. I mean, he's not going to be obviously ranked at the top of the game. but And, and how how good for you can Fritz be? There's a lot of talk about Taylor Fritz and he did a lot of good things last year. But are you seeing him maybe this year, maybe definitely in the future as a Grand Slam champion? Yeah. Oof. Grand Slam champion. Do you know what? What's going to be quite funny is that I reckon I'm going to sit here and go, no, he won't win a Grand Slam. And probably a few months ago, I I did a whole thing about how he will win a Grand Slam. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not sure. Look, opinions can change. They can, they can, they can. Um, It's just those final hurdles. Semi-finals, sure. Possibly a final. Like, I'd love to see him. A US Open final, I think he'd be great. Like, I, I, I can see it. He's in the mix, but... Look at all the players that have been in the mix and never got their hands on a Grand Slam trophy. Now you can argue that it's going to be a little bit easier. Uh, not that it's easy. Um, <laughs> a little bit easier than it was 10 years ago. Because, you know, remember, remember, Andy Murray's made five Australian Open finals and never won it. Yeah, Andy yeah. Murray, former world number one. You know, it is ridiculous you know, and everything he had to do to get his hands on three Grand Slams, only three, Vavrinka, only three Grand Slams. It's absolutely ludicrous. Del Potro, only one Grand Slam. Well, that was more to do with other issues. But, you know, and now they are being shared around that little bit more, particularly the US Open. So, I don't know. I think I think if you're somebody in the mix, if you're rude, I think, or oh, whatever, you would be looking to peak for US Open. That's the one, isn't it? That's that's the one that's that little bit more up for grabs. And I'm sure we'll talk about him more as we get close to the Australia Open. But Nikiris has pulled out of the United Cup and he's said again pretty much that, and I think Reem Abelel wrote a piece about this and we talked about this earlier in the year that, you know, he'll probably win a Grand Slam singles title because he's done the doubles in Australia, do the mic drop and walk away. But I just think there'll be too much pressure. I think this Australian summer, it's a wonderful time, but it brings with it for the home players so much more pressure, so much more everything. So it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how he copes through the Australian summer of tennis into the women. Now, Iga Shiontek speaking at her press conference today or today in Australia, tomorrow for us, um, has said that she's hoping to meet up with, with Ash Barty, the, the current Australian Open champion who then went and retired. And Shiontek 
She wants rivalry. She's been talking, hasn't she? She she wants these rivals. She 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 made some comments. I think this could have been another Ream piece, where she said that she's earned most of her money on the court. A lot of her rivalries have earned it off the court, and it wasn't a slight at her rivalries. It was just saying that for her now, it seems she's got to look at how to maybe balance that up a little bit and and add in a bit more off the court to go with the on the court because she's she's not going anywhere fast. Yeah, big shout out to Reem Abulail, who has had some fantastic interviews and lots of great yep. quotes coming out recently. And uh, yeah, I suppose, Shvantek, the, the first thing for her to deal with was being world number one, because it was sort of thrust upon her with Ash um, retiring from that position. And it felt like she would get there at some stage. Um, we were robbed of our Shvantek and Barty rivalry, which is a obviously a great shame but what we've seen from Shontek this year has just been equally entertaining it's been fabulous to see so I think she's just been rightly prioritizing the tennis and trying to get that right trying to get used to it and then now she's clearly absolutely fine being world number one she walks around like a world number one although she's very lovely very humble she's still she's starting to have that little bit of an aura on the court I mean she's (laughs) that run she went on earlier in the year I mean Eager's Bakery is just that's the business because (laughs) (laughs) she's just ridiculous unbelievable but um yeah so I think that's the right way for her to do it it's very different if you compare it to somebody like Emma Raducanu who's probably gone the other way and has been working on the empire and on the business that is Emma Raducanu before um I think settling on the tennis, but I I think they're both doing it the right way. They were in entirely different situations. Sviontek, world number one, Grand Slam champion, and the and not only was she world number one, she's the best player in the world, and needed to try and get used to that. Emma won a slam totally out of the blue, and I think it doesn't matter how much you believe in yourself everybody's going to go, this might not ever happen again. (laughs) You might not ever win a slam. It's a realistic possibility for Emma. She might not ever win a slam again. You've got to capitalise. You'd be crazy not to. The criticism that's come at her for her off-court stuff, I think is just nonsense. I mean, I defy anyone to do it any differently (laughs) in that position, uh, of course. But as I say, Iga is in a totally different position and uh, now she'll start, uh, you know, really building some stuff. Look, she's got some stuff going on. She's Polish. They're a big tennis nation um and uh, she'll she'll build it up but she's somebody who wants to she she's going to be at that level for the long term so she's got a bit more time to to do those deals to create what well you know be the ceo of uh, the business Iga Shiontek. if you want to read a few of those reem abelel articles and you're on twitter just search for reem she did a thread recently linking to all them she because a number of the players were out in the Middle East for exhibitions. And I think Reem was at everyone. And she was speaking to them, getting interviews, coaches, players. So I think to prepare yourself fully for the new season, then please definitely go and look at those. Some really lovely, lovely pieces. Um, in terms of how the women are sitting, Shontek at one, Anjabur, Jessica Pagula, Caroline Garcia, Irina Sabalenka, Maria Sakri, Coco Goff, Daria Kasik, Kina. Um, where's the key rivalries for you there just seeing those names in terms of Shiontek and, and moving forward? Well, I think when you look at the points breakdown, there's no rivalry. 
Yeah. I mean, she's so far yeah, ahead. She is. Like, so far ahead of everybody. Yeah, she is. It's ludicrous. 11,000 sort of points to, to Anjibur's 5,000 in second. There you go. I mean, more than double is bonkers between one and two. Um, so, in terms of a brewing rivalry, there isn't one. Um, but the rankings and point system reward consistency, not one-off performances. And there could be a player that could get under her skin. There could be somebody who could work out how to play against her. Um, we haven't seen that yet. And <laughs> I'm finding it difficult <laughs> to figure out who that would be. Um, because it has to be, you know, tactically right. And that's what I'm really fascinated with in 2023. She she completely just swept across the board in, in 2022. Maybe not a Serena style or a Graph style, of course. That's, you know, yet another level, which is absurd that we could have more domination. But this will be the year when players, coaches, they've spent the entire offseason, especially if you're ons, if you're number two in the world, who is stopping you from winning Grand Slams? I'm not, I'm not saying that she always lost to Svantec in Grand Slams. Obviously, she lost to Rebecca at Wimbledon. There are other people. But if ons wants to win a Grand Slam this year, which I reckon she does, you you have to deal with Iga Svantec. You have to assume she's going to be at her best all the time. You can't just wait for somebody else to beat her or for her to not play well, that's not how it gets done. So they, you know, the players are ranked two, three, four, five. They will have been sat, or their coaches will have, through the off-season, and they will be coming up with plans, strategies. They will have been breaking down the Siontek game because, unfortunately, you draw her in the quarters, you draw her in the semis. If you don't know how to beat her, you just lose, and that's all you do. Um, So I think that 2023 will be the year that we will see players... I, I don't know whether I want to say attempt or successfully <laughs> break down the uh, Svantec game. As this is our last pod of the year of 2022, and the final few minutes, who would be your men's and women's player of the year? Who gets the nod? It doesn't have to be an obvious one. You don't have to go with the year-end world number one. It might be. Um, but who would be your respective players and why? Oh, I think that's pretty tough. Can you, do you have yours ready to um, go? Um, I, I like to give a nod to Andre Rublev just because I like to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I think Carlos Alcaraz, yeah, I would say the people I'd put in the hat are Carlos Alcaraz because of what he has achieved is phenomenal and he's still so young and he's still learning. I would also give a nod to Novak Djokovic for what he did and where he got to with the tournaments he missed. And yes, people will say, well, that's of his own making. It doesn't matter. Still what he did to where he ended up. Casper Ruud for getting to two Grand Slam finals and and the consistency with which he's played. So they would be my three in the mix for the men and the women. Obviously, Iga Svantec, because we just read out her points, it's it's double anyone else's. And, and the way she's grabbed onto that role would be one. Um Jessica Pagula, for me, that consi- we don't always talk about her, but she's always there. She's always in the mix. I think she's worked so hard. She's done so well. The fact that she's coming to it. Coco Goff, with where she got to in, in 2022, and then an honourable mention for Anjaba, who just keeps getting better year on year. Okay, so your answer is no, you don't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I want to see what you think of those, and maybe I'll, I'll whittle it down. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> Look, it's difficult. Maybe you disagree you... with some of mine. I, I think it's know. difficult when you work with ifs, right? Like, because if Djokovic had played fully, then Alcaraz wouldn't be number one. He wouldn't have won the US Open. Um, you know, but you know, it is how it is. So yeah. you can't really say that. Well, 
I just did. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I am. I am. Uh, but anyway, um, and you know, I think Alcaraz is aware. Everyone's aware of it. It's it's, it's no it's, it's no yeah. secret. Um, but I think you just got to give it to Alcaraz. You can only play who's in front of you. The fact that he dealt with the year as well as he did at such a young age is absolutely phenomenal to come away with a grand slam and world number one absolutely bonkers 19 years old so i'd give it to him um i don't think anyone rivals at all to be honest it's it's him or it's djokovic but djokovic played less than half a year uh, on the women's side um yeah I means fiontech just takes it by a, a country mile doesn't she i think there's no debate um you know somebody like ons is uh she she brings so much extra doesn't she there's so mm. much positivity there's so much life you everyone just gravitates towards somebody like on so um you know you could argue as people have done for roger federer that it's more than just results it's about what you bring to the sport in terms of being the greatest player of all time or of the year um so yeah i'd probably uh i'd give it to eager because it's just so good but um on's definitely close so you're nailing down your two. I'm just giving lots of honourable mentions. So I'm going to give one more honourable mention. Oh, yeah. Caroline Garcia. Oh, Car- Caroline. So <laughs> Player I feel like of I just a, keep naming. Yeah, for a few months. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think, I just, so I've, I agree with you. Obviously I had Alcaraz and She and won the tour Trontek finals. But I just, I just needed a few other honourable mentions for what people did because it was another year. Well, as we look, we keep saying tennis is the gift that keeps on giving. It doesn't stop. Some have had longer off seasons than others. Others haven't had an off season. Played a few exhibitions and, and off they go. And and we're sort of getting ready to to start it. My next two days is being spent at an under eights national chess tournament. Oh, chess! Amazing. Do you play yeah, chess? But. No, don't understand it. Don't. My brain doesn't work in a chess-like no. fashion. But one of the twins does. But of the there's in this under eight finals. It's over two days. It's uh, it's up in London. There's there's quite a lot of you had to qualify to to get to the finals. Um, but of, of all the players, there's only there's quite a lot. There's only three that unranked. He's he's unranked because he just plays kind of for fun. Mm. So he's one of three. So I think he's going to get a shock. <laughs> to the next year. No, so we're trying to kind of prepare him. It'll be just him. like the Queen's Gambit. She was unranked. I, do, I know. We're gonna, I think he's going to get it. So we're trying to say to him, <laughs> just do your best. It, you know, it's all about experience, yeah. just learning. Just come on, fella. Just do your best. But I, I think he might get a shock. So oh, that's my next two days. from that though. I'm very excited about that. I will. And I'll report back um, on our first pod of 2023 how he got on, if the Tamagotchis are still alive, yeah, no. and we will be well on- <laughs> <It won't> be. <laughs> and we will be well underway with 2023. So just to say to everyone, thank you so much for staying with us for listening and and, and a happy happy new year to everyone. Yeah, happy new year everyone. And uh, yeah. See you in 2023. See you then.